Good morning. morning. Y'all are a nice looking group this morning. I had such a wonderful time yesterday with the ladies of Forward and there were some guests that had come that were invited that weren't actually a part of the church and they really enjoyed it too and I think some of them might even be back for the service later on uh, this morning. But I just count it an honor to be here um, just to come and pour into your heart some things that you know, God's helped me with. You know, how many of you understand that our journey in Christ is just that it's a journey, right? And it's not about just reaching a destination, right? It's about how are we walking with God on this earth, right? Because we know that there are so many things that God has already said are true about us. But what we need to do is get our hearts in agreement with him. Can you say amen? Okay, so this morning I'm going to talk to you about harmonizing your heart with the heart of God. Because God believes certain things about you and I that if we don't agree with him, we're not going to live in his reality. We're going to end up living in our reality, okay? And for most of us, I think in our hearts, at the deepest core of who we are, we want to live the abundant life, amen? And, and if that means that I have to exchange my wrong opinion for God's good opinion of me, why wouldn't I want to do it, right? That, and, and sometimes I am, I'm perplexed by people who hear the truth, who are presented with, you know, principles of God's word or tools that they can use, who say, yeah, that sounds good, but I don't really want to do that work. And I'm like, what work? What work are you talking about? Well, I don't want to really spend time meditating. I don't know that, you know, I can do what you're asking me to do to meditate. Well, here's the thing. We're always meditating all the time on something. So you can either decide to meditate on the good things that are in God's word and agree with what he says is true about you, or you can meditate on all the other things, the negative things that are being presented to you to try to persuade you to believe that you're something that you're not and live in a life that's less than abundant. So if I have this choice of abundant life or not so abundant, I'm going to choose the abundant life. Amen? And I haven't arrived there, okay? I'm, I'm still on my journey. But things are lining up in my life and more and more each day. Things on the inside that are true about me in Christ are being manifest in my external world. And it's not because I'm going out there and trying to change everything in my external world. Because how many of you know we've been there, done that? right? Bought the video, made the video, bought the t-shirts, made them, right? Okay. That stuff didn't work. That performance treadmill that so many of us were on, it only got us weary and tired because we were trying to become something that we thought we weren't. But with this revelation of God's amazing grace and faith righteousness, we realize, oh, I am. It's not that I'm trying to become, I am righteous. I am holy. I already have the fruit of the Spirit manifest in my life, in my spirit. And I'm just, I'm endeavoring to let what's on the inside come out on the outside. Can you say amen? amen. So God's concerned really about what's in our hearts. And, you know, do you know, you know, about your heart? I mean, when, when we talk about our heart, you know, the Bible has like over 900 references to the heart. And I know that in, um, I think it's in uh, Proverbs, it's got like, you know, several dozen references to the heart. But what is the heart of man? You know, a lot of us were taught, you know, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. But we didn't understand the whole aspect of the heart of man. As we've come into a, a realization, and so many of you have already got this, you understand that you live out of your heart. You live out of this, this place of identity, and that your heart is part soul and part spirit. And the part of your heart that's being influenced by your spirit is where God speaks to you and where the Holy Spirit leans into you. 
and, and is always confirming your identity in Christ. But then we have this other part of our heart where it's being influenced by our soul. And your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions is taking in information from all different sources, okay? Ideally, for you and I, we want to take in most of our information to bring into our heart from God's word so that we're renewing our mind to what God says is true about us and bringing what? Harmony into our lives, right? We don't want to live in disharmony. You know, I love that song that we were singing today. You know, you're no longer slaves, but you know, God sings this melody over us. And, and his melody, I see it. The song that he's singing over us is our identity in Christ. And then when we sing along with him and we're singing that we are also who he says we are, we create a perfect harmony. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I was sitting there, you know, or standing there listening to that, and that is just what dropped in my heart. God sings the melody over me that says, I am complete in Christ. And when I agree with him, I'm harmonizing, and I bring a beautiful sound to my life because I'm saying what he says. Amen? You know, it was with your heart that you were brought into the place of the new birth. And you believe with your heart, and that continues for the rest of your life. You believe unto righteousness, and it's revealed to you. Sometimes it's just one step at a time. I mean, most of us, when we came into the kingdom of God, I don't know about you, but I mean, I was saved when I was eight years old. And my, my revelation of salvation was, when I die, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to go to hell. Well, it was decades before I understood that the same Jesus who went to the cross to take my sins upon him, took my sickness and my disease and my poverty, right? Now, it's not that that wasn't true about me from the moment I got saved, but I came into an understanding of that revelation as I went to God's word and I, and I began to see what God says is true about me. Can you say amen? amen? So the heart of man is where the word is sown in order for it to produce fruit in our lives. And, and remember, it's... It's not the responsibility of the sower to decide how fruit's going to be produced in your life as far as the person who's bringing you the word. You prepare your heart so that when the word is spoken, you say, okay, I want it to fall on good ground. I want it to produce in me. Whether you're going to the word of God and the Holy Spirit is your teacher or whether you're listening to somebody deliver a message, it's not the sower's responsibility. The sower is just casting the seed, right? The sower is the one who's throwing out all of these ideas that God has about you. And so as you begin to take this into your heart and ponder it and meditate on it, that's when it takes root in you, and then it'll produce the fruit that God wants to see in your life and what you want to see. Can you say amen? All right, but here's the thing. You know, hearing the word is not enough. If it were, then everybody that ever goes to church would be spiritual giants, would they not? I mean, they're hearing the accurate word of God, all right? But hearing isn't enough. I mean, hearing is the beginning of it, but it's what we do after we've heard it. Are we activating it, and again, in our heart? It's not just whether we're mentally agreeing with what God's word has to say, because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I believe that's true. You know, you tell them, the, you know, God's word says that he'll meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah, I believe that's true, but... And then after that, but it, but you don't know, you know, what I'm facing at work, but you don't know what my bank account looks like, but you don't know the bills that I have piling up, but you don't know. And they begin to give all the excuses. Why? Well, that's not, you know, that's not God's fault, okay, that they've not embraced that truth. That truth is still truth. But when we take God's word into our heart and we say, God, this is what you say about me. 
and my circumstances are telling me something else, but I want my heart in agreement with your heart. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to bring your heart into agreement with what God has to say about you? Because you know that you will live the abundant life when you can do that when you can align your heart with what God has to say. So it's not about all the things that you do. Am I doing everything right? Am I, you know, am I eating right? Am I exercising? Am I a good steward? All those things are important. They're great and they're wonderful. But more important than that is what is going on in your heart? Are you believing unto your righteousness? Because that believing unto is what brings you in the place of alignment. You know, let's turn in our Bibles in Mark chapter 4 in the Amplified. This is what Jesus said. He said to them, be careful what you're hearing. So first of all, you have to be careful what you hear. Don't go listen to a bunch of preachers who don't believe the finished work. That's a given, okay? I mean, you just need to like turn off the dial if that's what's being preached. The moment you recognize that somebody does not have a revelation of the finished work of Christ and they are presenting a gospel, not the gospel, but a gospel that is less than what is preached in the word. If it's not the gospel of the kingdom, if it's not the gospel of peace, turn it off. Amen. So you be careful what you're hearing. And then Jesus says the measure of thought and study you give, not your pastor gives, but the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. So when you are, you are presented with the truth of God's word, and even if, it, even if it is in opposition to something you've always believed in your life, maybe you've been taught all your life, God is in control. You've heard that over and over again. God is in control. You know, God is in control. No, it's okay. It's God is in control. You know, something bad happens in your life and somebody says, well, it's okay. God's in control. And you're thinking, no, that jerk that did that to me, they were in control. Right? I mean, you know, there are times that things happen to you and it's not God is in control. Life happens to all of us. There are things that happen because we live in a fallen world. But the moment somebody says God is in control, they're relinquishing their personal responsibility. And they're, and they're getting to the place where they really want to blame God for something that happened to them or to somebody that they love. So that's, that's an opinion that maybe you have that perhaps you need to surrender and say, you know, God, you know, we've been given authority here on this earth. I've got the name of Jesus. I am in his place. I, you know, the devil is a defeated foe. I have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And although I cannot control everything happening in my external world, I can control what's going on in my heart and how I, elect the, how I allow these things to affect me. Amen? And then in that respect, God is sovereign. He's, he's, he's in charge and that he gave us a free will. I'll stop there. I'll let, I'll let your pastor continue on that because I think that's a series he's getting ready to head into. Now, the first reference um, to the heart in the book of Proverbs is found in Proverbs 2.2, and it says, Incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Listen, the knowledge of God is hidden in his word for you. It's not hidden from you. Okay, there is nothing that you're facing today that there's not an answer to your problem in God's word. Somebody I know wrote a book that it tells you 3,000 promises 
that are in the Word of God. I think it was your pastor, was it not? Okay? We need to say yes to every promise that we find in God's Word. All right? And, and when we do that, as we embrace each one, and it's not like I want you to get the book today and go through and say, okay, number one, I'm going to read it. Yes to that. Number two, I'm going to read it. Yes to that. Number three, yeah. No. We need to meditate on it. We need to give time to ponder that and study it so that we can live it. Can you say amen? amen. Okay, earlier I quoted, you know, Romans 10, 10, you know, that says, with the heart man believes to righteousness. Strong's defines believes as to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit, or place confidence in. So if I'm believing, I'm saying, this is true. If I'm believing, I'm saying, I am persuaded of this, okay? I'm placing my confidence in this. Belief is not just saying, I mentally assent to this. I, 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 I'll agree with you on this one, God. Because when we do it that way, we're actually judging God. Because there's sometimes we read something, we say, well, I don't agree with that. <laughs> so we're saying, well, God, on this, on this hand, I, I believe this, but I don't over this. And well, no, what, believing is when, when I take what God's word has to say, and I'm persuaded in my heart that this is true about me right now. See, faith is now. Faith works in the now. Hope is great, but hope is always putting it out there into the future. Okay, and I understand, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you got to start with hope. But too many people have camped around hope, always putting everything out to the future. Someday I'll be happy. Someday I'll get a job I enjoy. Someday I'll marry somebody. Someday, someday, someday. And all this out into the future doesn't bring the reality of who you are right now in Christ. And so what God wants us to do is to experience his life experience his words so that it's true for us individually. Amen? Amen. Webster's defines belief as a feeling of being sure that someone or something exists or that something's true, a feeling that something is good or right or valuable, or a feeling of trust in the worth or ability of someone. Vine says to believe is to be persuaded of, to place confidence or trust in. And in this sense of the word, to believe is to have reliance on and not just mentally agreeing that it's true. <clears throat> Beliefs are the heart of the things, okay, that you're persuaded of, which define you, okay, and how you see yourself. How do you see yourself today? Do you today see yourself as complete in Christ, lacking nothing. See, if you think I'm lacking something today, then you're going to try to go and get something to bring it to you. Whereas if you understand you're complete in Christ, you're going to look inward. And whatever it is that you think you have need of, you're going to find it in Christ and lay hold of it and say, because I'm in him and because he's in me, I'm laying hold of this truth and I'm saying it is mine right now. You see how powerful that is? When I can say, I believe I'm complete in Christ, I will not go outside of God to get a need met. I will never operate from a place of lust. And you know what lust is? Lust is just a feeling of lack. Don't associate the word lust with only sexual things because lusting for something is I'm going after something because I think I need something that I don't think that I have. And God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live with the understanding that because you are in Christ, you are complete, and you right now, right now at this moment, you're lacking nothing. 
So what you're doing is you're taking your heart and you're saying, God, I am uniting my heart with you right now. I'm going to believe what you say is true about me, whether I feel it or not. You know, some of you don't know this. The ladies that were here yesterday heard my testimony, but I was, um, I was married to a, a healing evangelist. And Angela and I had been married for 26 years. And, and he got very sick and went to the doctor and found out that he had stage 4 colon cancer. And in less than a year, he died. And I'm telling you, you talk about rocking somebody's world. That, that was not what I expected. You know, I, I just, it, it was not even on my radar. But here's the thing. After he went to heaven, I had a struggle with my identity because I had always seen myself as my husband's helpmate. I had seen myself as his partner in ministry. I had seen myself as his other half. So there was some belief I had in my heart that said, I'm not whole if I'm not married, okay? So, so then I began to think that that was now my journey in life. My journey was now I need to find somebody else to complete. I need to find my other half. And God began to minister to my heart and show me that that belief is only going to get me in a codependent relationship with somebody, okay? Because I'm going to be looking for somebody else to fill me, and they're going to be in a codependent relationship thinking that their value is found in trying to meet my needs and completing me, and we'd just be messed up. Okay, so God took me on this journey into my heart to show me who I was in Christ. And I'll never forget coming to this scripture in Colossians 2 and in and, and 9 and 10 where it talks about, you know, but, you know, the fullness of the Godhead bodily is in Christ and you are complete in him. And I remember looking at that and I'm thinking, I'm complete right now? I'm complete. Well, my heart was not persuaded of that truth. So I took time to write upon my heart and to meditate and study and ponder and give thought to that. And I did it day after day after day. I did it week after week. I did it when I hated getting up in the morning by myself, and I did it when I hated going to bed by myself at night. I did it when I was hating to watch a movie by myself and when I hated cooking a meal for myself. Okay? I did it. I said, I'm complete in Christ. I'm lacking nothing. What did that do to me to go to God's word? It caused me to look at a different reality than the one that I had seen with my eyes. Okay, you know, I'm looking at my hand and there's no ring on it. There's, there's no man with me. That's a, that's a physical evidence of saying this is your reality. But God says, no, I want you to see a different reality. I want you to see yourself the way I see you. You're complete. You're not lacking anything. Now, that doesn't change the fact that someday I want to be married, okay, but the, the marriage isn't the making of a cake where we get all these ingredients and we put them together and we become whole. No, I'm already the cake. He's just going to be the icing. Okay? All right? I'm not anxious about anything. I've let my requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God is ruling and reigning in my heart now. Do you see what heart persuasion does? What it does to sit with Jesus and let him tell you, I love you, daughter. You're complete just the way you are. You don't need anybody to complete you. You're okay just the way you are. Man, that's good to hear. Can you say amen? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as whole and prosperous and joyful and peaceful and full of life? You know, there's a lot of difference between just saying, well, you know, I believe I'm healed or I believe I'm prosperous and really believing it in your heart, having it be something that you know 
that this is who you are. Because even when a circumstance comes and presents itself to you to try to contradict that, you know what you'll do with it? You'll say, no. You know, that bill may have come up. It may look like it's going to, you know, drain my account right now. But I am still prosperous. This is who God says I am. So this is temporary, right? It's temporary. My, my single condition is temporary. It's not how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. So I can survive now. I can thrive now, okay? I can enjoy this season of my life while I know that who I am in Christ is the most important thing. Amen? Amen. Who you are today in Jesus is more important than your occupation or your marital status or how well you're getting along with your kids or your employer or your business or anything like that. Amen? It doesn't really matter, okay, um, how I see you or how your pastor sees you or even how God sees you. You know what really matters is how do you see yourself? Because I can believe the truth about you, but if you don't believe it, it's not really going to help you, okay? I can encourage you. When you, when you begin to waver or, or question your identity in Christ, I can reaffirm who you are. But you've got to open up your heart and let your heart be persuaded of who you are in Christ. Why? Because we want harmony, don't we? I want harmony in my life. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for that place where, you know, every time I go to God's word and I see something, and in Christ scripture and in him scripture, that I say, you know what, that is me. That's me right now. This is how God sees me. This is, this is his reality. And if it's not my reality at that moment, I just take it as mine. I just say, you know what? I've had an opinion about myself that was less than. You know, go through the book of Proverbs. I read through Proverbs, you know, every day. I read through, you know, one chapter a day. And, and every time I find something about a wise person, a wise person does this or a wise person does that, I just say, you know what? That's me. I'm wise. That's me. Even if I'm not currently operating in that particular wisdom, I take it on as mine. Why? Because Christ has been made unto me wisdom. He is my wisdom. And he, he is always influencing my heart with his wisdom. So the moment I agree with that and I say, well, that's me, that's who I am. Do you know what I believe I do? I believe I open up like a door in my heart where more comes in. I believe that I, I encourage the wisdom of God to be imparted to me every time I agree that I am wise. And in the same way, when I see things and it says, fools do this, <laughs> if I do that, I recognize it and I say, you know what? That's not part of my new creation reality. I don't want that. I don't need that. And I'm sending that away. And I find, what, what's the opposite of that? If fools do this, what do the wise people do? And a lot of times in Proverbs, it's a compare and contrast, and it's right there for you. You don't have to go very far, okay? So I just, as a new creature in Christ Jesus, I don't even look at the Old Testament or the imperatives of the have-tos. You know, I have to do this or I have to become that. I look at it as, this is who I am now in Christ, so if I see it there and it challenges me, I just say, okay, I'm submitting to that. I've learned that, you know, there are some very important words that we can utter. And, and, and one phrase I utter a lot is, I was wrong. I was wrong. And I've gotten to where I'm not afraid to say I was wrong. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, before I understood faith righteousness, I was on a quest to always be right. Okay? And I didn't like to admit when I was wrong. And I didn't like anybody challenging me, okay? Now, it's like if I feel challenged, I feel loved. 
Every time the word of God brings something to me that challenges me, I feel loved. Why? Because I know that God, my father, disciplines those he loves. And that word discipline is instruct. So every time I'm instructed in the word of God or in the word of righteousness, I feel loved. I don't feel stupid. I don't feel shamed. I don't feel disappointed in myself. I feel loved. Now, that's a huge shift from the way I used to feel when I'd read something in God's Word and it would, you know, kind of show me something about my behavior that wasn't necessarily in line with what I knew God wanted. But now, because I'm resting in God's Word towards me, I can do that. Can you say amen? Amen. So beliefs of the heart are felt deep within. And, you know, if you believe that you're going to succeed at something, you will have definite positive feelings that are associated with that belief, okay? If you believe, on the other hand, that you're going to fail at something, you're going to have definite negative emotions that are associated with that belief, okay? So if you want to know what you really believe about something, check the feelings that you have that are on the inside of you. And if you notice that you have negative feelings, just understand this. It's going right back down to a place of belief. You probably believe something wrong about yourself if you have these negative emotions and you think you're going to fail at something. So rather than just trying to, you know, sweep it all under the rug or like, you know, you know how some people, la, 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 don't talk to me. You know, we just try to, you know, divert our attention to something else. I don't want to think about that. No, no, go back down. What's going on in your heart that you have these negative emotions? You believe something that's hindering you from holding on to who God says you are. Because here's the truth. God wants us all successful. He wants us successful in our relationships. He wants us successful in our finances. He wants us living healthy, being strong. All of those things are part of the abundant life. And God wants us all to live the abundant life. So whenever we're experiencing something or feeling something that makes us feel less than, it's because we have a belief. So change what you believe and you'll change how you feel about something. Amen? Amen. And again, you're not doing this by self-effort. It's submitting to the transformation process. It's looking at God's word and saying, this is what you say is true about me, so I'm going to agree with it. And you see the end result of what it, want, what it means. I mean, if you see that you're living in lack and you know that God is the God that provides and he's the God that's more than enough, so you agree with the end result of what that would mean in your life, what would I feel like today if I had enough to pay every bill? What would I feel like today if I not only had enough to meet all of my needs, but I had money left over to be a blessing? What would I feel like? Imagine it, okay? Imagine writing out your bills and seeing money left over in the account. Imagine what it would be like to go to church every Sunday and have so much to give that you're actually having to tell Pastor Clint, Clint, I need you to find something else for me to give to. Like, isn't there, isn't there some kind of missionary that we can support? Because we've just got this excess money. What if everybody in this church believed that? That everybody in this church believed that God not only wanted to meet your needs, but make sure that you had a surplus that you could always give out of and you could give to every good work that you wanted to give to. Imagine it. 
Don't think, well, I could never imagine it. Well, if you could never imagine it, you'll never be there. You'll never live in that. You're only going to live out of what you believe in your heart that you can't. So go to the dream world, okay? Imagine things. Imagine what you would be like if your relationships with the people that you care about the most were intact. Now, that's a struggle for some people. Because we've got, you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was in a meeting. I said, listen, we either all came from a dysfunctional family or we created one. <laughs> so don't talk to me about your dysfunction as an excuse, okay? We need to operate from the place of love, amen? And if you're having a struggle with somebody in your life, don't always be thinking, well, you know, they need to change. They need to quit being like this. They need to quit doing it. No, no. Look on the inside and say, God, what is my part in this? What can I do? How can I tap into your love so that I can, I can express love in a way which this person can receive, right? I mean, so many times it's like, well, I want to love you this way. But that person doesn't feel loved. But you feel justified because you loved the way you wanted to love. But what if you actually took the time to, to get with God and say, you know what, God? There's some kind of, you know... Um, breach in this relationship. There's something going on, and, and it's not as it should be. You know, that's what righteousness is. It's not as it should be. And I know that, you know, I probably have some responsibility here in this situation. There's probably something I could do. Maybe I've hurt somebody. Maybe I've offended somebody. But God, if you can show me how I can move into this place of love, where I can love as you love, I really believe that I can affect the heart of this person. What if we did that? What would happen to our relationships? Just say, and it could be a little bit better, amen? <laughs> God's desire is for us to live in harmony with him and with each other, okay? You're not going to get the whole world to harmonize, okay? I mean, let's just, let's just face it, you know. I know people that, like, for the sake of unity, they'll just, you know, open their arms and embrace everything and everybody and just, you know, let's all just be friends kind of thing, you know. And they're embracing inclusionists and they're embracing, you know, universalists and, you know, agnostics and atheists and saying, you know, well, we're all brothers, da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, we all are part of God's creation, but we know the sons of the sons of God, the children of God are those who believe on Jesus, right? And I'm looking for, you know, harmony in the in the in the sphere of influence where I'm at to establish an atmosphere of love, right? Where where love isn't just, you know, I just ignore everything that you're doing that's wrong and I let you, you know, walk all over me in the name of love and all that kind of stuff because, you know, there's a lot of squirrely stuff out there about that, all right? But where I love you enough that I'm going to have healthy boundaries in my life, and within these healthy boundaries, I'm going to stay in a place where I keep my heart at peace and love. And then if I need to, I'll speak the truth in love, right? Okay, we won't get into that. That's another whole sermon. So what do you do? What do you and I do if things are not manifest in our lives today, okay? Well, first of all, if things aren't manifest in your life, it's not just because of God's timing, okay? How do I know that? Because of what the Word says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. It says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. So if it's covered under the finished work of Christ, God's timing is now for you, okay? He's not wanting you to hold on to that sickness another month so you can learn a lesson. 
People think, well, you know, I know this person, and you know, they got in this, you know, horrible accident, and they were laid up in the hospital for weeks and weeks. And while they were there, you know, they had this connection with God. You know, if they hadn't have done that, this wouldn't happen. Okay, don't give me your circumstantial theology here to form doctrine. Because I'm telling you what, that person could have connected with God without getting in the accident and laid up in the hospital and all that. God didn't create that so that he could connect with them. God's always connecting with us, okay? Tragedy, things that happen in our lives. Uh, you know, if we draw closer to God in the midst of that, that's wonderful. Praise God. But don't thank God for the tragedy as though that was the only way you could have connected with God. Yeah. I know I'm messing with some of y'all, but hey, we got to, you know, we got to look at what the word says. Right? Some say, well, you know, if this, if this isn't manifest in my life, maybe it's because it's not God's will. Okay, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, all of the promises in Christ are yes and amen. <laughs> okay? So if it's a promise in Christ, it's yes. God's waiting for your amen. So you don't have to say, well, I don't know if it's God's will for me to be healed. Oh, no, there's a definite yes to that. God said yes. Well, I don't know if God really wants me to have money because I may not, you know, I may not do well with it. I wouldn't be a good steward. No, his answer to you is, yes, I want you to be prosperous and I want to show you how to be a good steward. Okay? I mean, you know, these things are, it doesn't take a whole lot of, you know, thinking to just kind of say, hey, this is common sense. This is how God operates. The bottom line is if it's promised to you and I, we receive it by believing and and. When we believe, we will receive. Not when we just agree with it with our mind. It's when we believe. Matthew 22, you know, Jesus saw the fig tree and it didn't have any fruit on it. And we know he cursed it and the disciples were amazed. And so they asked him, you know, how did it wither away so soon? And this is what he said in verse 21. Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, he re be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, say believing, believing. you'll receive. Most of us ask before we believe. We ask before we believe. What does that mean? We'll see something. And we'll say, okay, I'm going to ask God for that. But here's the thing. We've not taken the time to take that scripture into a place of meditation to sit down and ponder it. What would I look like if that were true about me right now? How would I feel? How would the quality of my life be different if this were true about me? Because when you begin to do that and then you persuade your heart and you're giving your heart evidence that this is true about you, what happens then? Then when you go to God and you ask, you ask believing because your heart has been persuaded. We're not just trying to talk our minds into thinking something's true. I know a lot of people who think things are true, but they don't believe it. I know people that can quote a lot of those 3,000 promises, but they're not living in the reality of them. So it's not just whether you can quote it, whether you can say it, whether you think it's true. It's whether you believe it in your heart. So what if we realize we don't believe something? You know, can we change our belief? Yes. 
We can. We just exchange it. We exchange it like you would exchange, you know, a piece of clothing. Maybe you go into a, a dress store, ladies, and you, you're not sure what size you're going to wear. So you take two different sizes into the dressing room. You try them both on. You decide the smaller one is the one you want, okay? But then you go out of the dressing room and you go to the, the cashier and you hand them the larger one. And then you get home and you put it on and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I wanted. What do you do? You just go and exchange it for what you want. Simple, right? So whenever you see that you've had a belief in your heart that's not congruent with who you are in Christ, simply exchange it. It's not a difficult thing to say, I was wrong. God, you are right. I'm exchanging my wrong belief for your right belief. Now, once you exchange it, there is a process of transformation in your heart, especially if you had this wrong belief and you held on to it for a really long time. Okay? I mean, if you believe something for two decades, you're not going to get the revelation and, and the heart transformation in two hours. You may have the seed planted for that to become a part of you, but you got to water that seed. You got to nurture it. You got to ponder it. You got to think about it. You got to meditate on it until it becomes a part of who you are, till you believe it. I mean, when I began to meditate on the scripture that I am complete in Christ and I'm lacking nothing, I did not believe it at first. I would be like, I was writing it down, I was journaling at night, I was, you know doing it right before I go to bed so that it was the last thing on my mind. I am complete in Christ and I'm lacking nothing. And I go, oh, yeah, right. I know what you're lacking, sister. Shut the journal and go to sleep. Wake up the next day. I'd read it before I get started my day. I'm complete in Christ and I'm lacking nothing. And all day long, I'd go through my lack. Okay? I'd be thinking about, gosh, I hate being alone here. I hate doing this alone. I hate being alone. Now, at night, I'd go and I'd get my journal out. I am complete in Christ and I'm lacking nothing. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd read it. I am complete in Christ and I'm lacking nothing. And then I'd go in and I'd start my day and I'd like, I don't even want to go shopping today. I don't want to buy groceries. I'm just going to cook for myself tonight. I'm going to have another protein shake. There was a time when I was drinking like two protein shakes a day because I didn't want to make meals. I didn't want to fix food. I started inviting people over just so I would cook because I hated cooking for myself. Now, I cook for myself all the time. I paste my, I take pictures of my food and I put it on Instagram and I put it on my Facebook and I hashtag cooking for one. <laughs> I'm writing a cookbook. Why? Because there's a lot of people like me and I've learned, I've learned how to love it. I, I put these pictures on Facebook and everybody's like, your food looks so good. I'm like, yeah. Don't you wish you had some? <laughs> And somewhere out there, there's a man looking for me. And when he finds a wife, he's going to find a good thing. Because <laughs> I am a good cook, all right? I'm just going to tell you, all right? Not to intimidate any of you. If you want to invite me over for dinner or take me out, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> all right. So how are these things written on our hearts? We take in information, and we combine it with emotion. And that's how we write it on our heart. Now, a lot of us, there were things that we took into our hearts from the time that we were, you know, yay high, right? Mm -hmm. Things that were said to us, things that were spoken over us, and they wrote things on our heart. And all of a sudden, you become an adult, and you've got all this dysfunction in your life. And you go, why am I this way? Why am I this way? Why am I this way? Because I took something into my heart and believed something about me that was, that was detrimental to my becoming and believing I am who I am in Christ. And so now we've got to take those wrong beliefs and get rid of them. Amen? Amen. So 
We have things that have been written on our heart, things that, you know, maybe positive things, like, you know, you can do anything you set your mind to. I can remember my mother saying that to me all the time. You know, Christy, you can just do anything you set your mind to. Well, that was a good thing I had written on my heart, right? But I can tell you there were some negative things that I had written on my heart as a child, too. You're a bossy little thing, <laughs> you know? So I, I, had to, I had to allow God to go into these recesses of my heart, into the deep places of my heart, and help me, you know, let go of the things I need to let go of and reinforce the things I needed to hold on to so that I could believe and believe I am who I say I am in Christ. Do you want to set yourself in agreement with what God has to say about you? Then just decide you're going to exchange your wrong opinions for his opinions. I have a lot more I'm going to say, and I think this is going to be part two in, in uh, our 11 o'clock service. There is so much that God has shown me about the heart and about believing with the heart that I am so excited every time I see something in God's word that I'm challenged with, I want to lay hold of it and I want to say, God, if this is what you say about me, this is what I want to believe. I want to live this reality. Are you there today? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these precious people that are part of Forward Church. I thank you, Father, that they've already been given such a good foundation for understanding and believing who they are in Christ. And now, Father, I just thank you that you're helping this transformation process along by giving them just additional tools and principles by which they can persuade their heart of who they are in Christ. Father, I know you want us to see ourselves the way that you see us. I know, Father, that there are some here right now that don't see themselves as worthy. They don't see themselves, Father, as beloved. They're struggling because of the things that they know about themselves that are connected with their past or the fears that they have about their future. And yet, Father, right now, I just pray that you would help them, that you would open up their eyes to see the truth of who they are in Christ. Father, whatever they're struggling with, whatever area it is in their life where they see themselves as less than, Father, I just pray right now that you would flood their heart with a revelation of your love, a revelation of your provision, of the Spirit of God that lives within them. As you're leaning into them, showing them, you're righteous, you're holy, you're forgiven, you're complete in me, you're lacking nothing. All you ever have need of to succeed in this life is yours in Christ. Father, I pray that hearts will just lay hold of this revelation, that people will draw unto themselves, Father, everything that you say is true about them, and that from this point on, Father, when they see a promise in your word, they'll say, Father, if this is what you say is true about me, whether I feel it right now, whether I see it right now, whether I can even imagine it as ever being true about me, I'm going to agree. I'm exchanging my opinion for your opinion. So, Father, I just thank you that you seal this right now in our hearts and that we can move forward, Father, in getting our hearts established so that we are in agreement with everything that you say is true about us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.